0: It's Wednesday, August tenth, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, sitting in for Chris Hill this week, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Global Gains, Tim Hansen, from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Charlie Travers, and from Motley Fool Income Investor, James Early. Guys, welcome. Thanks, so. Matt. Okay, guys an ugly day for the stock market again. So lots of volatility. We're going to get to that. We're also going to talk about Disney. Um, But let's begin with the stock market volatility and specifically, James, Bank of America. Um, This stock has been on a roller coaster. The CEO came out today trying to reassure investors saying that the bank's not going to issue new shares. But what do you make of Bank of America?
1: Ah, uh, well, that's a long, big question. Um, I have a, I have a, a a quote Mac on my little uh, uh, Mac, my screen on my my computer at home. It says, "Do not enforce what you cannot command." And I don't know who said it, but it's uh, applicable here because Brian Moynihan is is making these promises about not issuing new capital, and when you have to go out and, and make these public statements, uh, that that itself that you're on the defensive like that is a bad sign because right now with the S&P downgrade with the Fed issuing this negative opinion uh, about the economy people are most afraid of uncertainty and banks actually supply the most uncertainty especially Bank of America especially the CEO who promised that their problems with, with Fannie Mac Fannie, uh, uh, Freddie uh, Mac and Fannie Mae excuse me securities were done with who promised that they were going to have a dividend in the latter half of 2011 he has to back away from who said that the mortgage liabilities were, were lower than they are now they're up to $18 billion that the AIG is suing them now Now, uh, this guy has developed a credibility problem, and he's not helping matters. Uh, Maybe he's right about this. I hope. I hope he's right, but it's not really for him to decide. It's really up to the market. It's
2: really up to what happens to the valuations of these securities. I would say the the phrase uh, "not needing to raise new capital" gives shudders to everybody who remembers the banking crisis of a few years back.
3: Oh, it probably means you need. Yeah, I mean,
2: (laughs) even the fact that you would bring that up in conversation is frightening.
3: There are a lot of things that are frightening about uh, about Bank of America <laughs> at this point, you know, and, and obviously uh, Moynihan was on on the web today with uh, Bruce Berkowitz, who's a major shareholder of his, trying to defend the stock, defend the investment, and when it's gone that far, I think as James said, you, you've probably gone too far.
0: So when you look at Bank of America, I assume, James, that you would steer clear of Bank of America. Would you also avoid all financial stocks, or do you think these problems, in, in this case, are more unique to Bank of America?
1: We don't know what's hiding under the covers for any of these companies, really, Mac, but Bank of America is probably one of the worst offenders, which is so odd, because they was such a spit-shine, you know, all-American boy before, and, and now they're, they're very much the opposite. Then they met Angelo Mozilla. Exactly. Tanning Salon. Um, and, and, so, yeah, I would avoid them all for now.
0: One of our analysts told me um, before we started taping today, he said that when it comes to Bank of America, countrywide is a piñata. And I said, not not the good type of piñata, right? I was going to say, what does that mean? So well, I think the question is, there's, there's, we don't quite know what's in that piñata. You pinata. hit it, you don't know what comes out. That's but, a good analogy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Now that you've explained yeah. it to it's me. It's not yeah. candy. No, <laughs> no. I okay. they're
1: being sued by AIG, which is the very company that nearly brought down the global economy. So, I mean, that's
0: bad enough as it is. So um, let's, let's keep um, in the financial world, and let's pivot and talk about Jamie Dimon, um, the CEO of J.P. Morgan. He actually had some optimistic things to say about the economy today. He said, and this is a quote, this will pass, and America's economy will blow your socks off. And um, he also said today that the S&P downgrade is just an opinion. Um, guys, I know it's just an opinion, but right now it feels like a pretty strong opinion. You know, yes. In in some ways, this has wreaked havoc on the market. But if you
3: actually look at what people are doing with their money, you know, Treasury rates are coming down. People are buying U.S. bonds in the face of the downgrade, which means that people who have money, let's call it the smart institutional investors, really don't don't care about the S and P's opinion. Uh, you know, they're they're acting almost contrary to it. But you know, we talked about this previously. It doesn't really even pass the sniff test because you're you know there are how many fourteen or so still triple A rated countries, and there are places like France, Germany, which have huge issues, or places like Singapore, which are you know, too small to accommodate big inflows. So the United States is still number one in, in, in a lot of ways. It sounds a little doofy to say that, but doofy? it's true.
2: <laughs> That's a new word. I like that.
3: It, it's very functional.
2: Yeah. I, I am sympathetic to the S&P situation, though. If you look at the debt-to-GDP ratio, the United States has climbed steadily for decades and it's at a, about 100% right now, which is known to be a, a kind of threshold level where you're going to see slower economic growth. That said, there's no danger of the U.S. not paying its obligations. Our debts are in our own currency and it's not really a problem to make good on them. Uh, it's just a question of where do you draw the line as to where the situation gets a little shaky and they decided to draw it here, but obviously the market uh, is not agreeing with their assessment.
1: To Tim's point, the credit default swap markets are pricing the U.S. as being still significantly more stable than all the 14 other supposedly AAA countries in the eyes of S&P. But I agree with you, Charlie, also that that we are on, on some sort of a, of a problematic trajectory. I just disagree with S&P that a downgrade was the best response. Some other early warning, some other I wish there were some- Like a stern letter? A stern letter would be very good, actually, yeah.
0: yeah. A timeout of sorts. A timeout,
1: yeah, that's what we need.
0: (laughs) Okay, so let's move um, from Bank of America and concerns over the financial sector um, to stocks on your watch list right now because maybe it's too early to have this conversation. We don't know. None of us are market timers, but in terms terms of stocks that you're looking at (laughs) as potential- um, opportunities as the market falls. Charlie? I, I think people would like a little bit of safety right now,
2: uh, so I'll give you two large-cap names. One we do not own, uh, and one we could consider owning in the future, a million-dollar portfolio. The one we own that we like is Microsoft trading about 10 times earnings, uh, and they're growing their dividend I think four out of the last five years. They've raised their payout, uh, so I think that's a good buy right now. Uh, ExxonMobil, we sold one. It was in the 80s, but now that's back around $68. I think if it drops a little more, that, that's a very high-cal Walmart company uh, you could own. James?
1: Uh, Kellogg's or Heinz or these types of consumer product, Coca-Cola, great uh, uh, places for safety-seeking investors right now because they are globally diversified. If you want more risk, you could jump into energy. Uh, Petrobras, the Brazilian oil company, is, is, is a little riskier. That's been hit lately. Partner Communications and Israeli telecom has been been hit also, and that pays a nice yield.
0: Well, another company that saw its stock sell off sharply today was Disney, Um, the biggest intraday drop for Disney since 2001. Now, this comes on the heels of Disney reporting better-than-expected earnings. Um, ESPN, Charlie, was a real standout. The theme parks did well, but there's some concerns about studio income. There are also concerns about future growth. So what are your thoughts on Disney?
2: Uh, Disney actually had a fairly – good report and it's a great stable of brands across the line uh espn and espn2 have been you know one two on perceived value from cable operators for many years and these are very valuable franchises uh and the parks were actually doing well you talk about high unemployment and a weak economy that is surprising that people were still coming down there it's not cheap to bring your family in and uh you know it just kind of shows their cachet that people still like to bring their kids
1: Maybe I'm missing something, but in terms of the numbers the company put out, in terms of the, the market reaction, it just seems like a, a slightly disproportionate amount of wrath is being taken out on Disney, this well-meaning company. I don't mean to personify it like that, but, but it
2: just seems harsh. Would you agree with that? Yeah, they have a pretty strong balance sheet and generate a lot of cash, pay a little dividend, and to see a 10% drop, I think it was at least at one point today, it seems pretty severe.
0: And, um, James, um, some other stocks that have sold off sharply have been the oil stocks as the price of oil falls. Um, any oil stocks on your radar right now? Well,
1: I always like Chevron. As, as you know, it's a U.S. company that has a deep water drilling experience. Did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> Petrobras, as, as I just mentioned earlier. Um, I, would still, I would stay big and I would stay diversified. If you get a little bit more specific, you're taking on a bunch more risk.
0: And, guys, as we wrap up here, um, of course, the volatility of the market being the big story. What's your big question going forward as you watch the markets play out here? I guess my question is when when does it stop, or what precipitates
3: a stop? Um, obviously, people are searching for direction. There's a lot of uncertainty, as James said, but I don't see resolution, you know, on any front. You know, the debt ceiling debate was supposed to be that that sort of compromise was supposed to be the the end or the resolution to all this, and it seems to have just made it all worse. So i um, interested to see how that how this all plays out.
1: We've had two big events, the, the S&P downgrade and, and then the Fed forecast, that people don't really know what they mean. Uh, one thing we do know is they don't contain actual economic substance. They don't move the markets by the – well, as opinions, they might move the markets, but there's no new economic news in either of these. In fact, the Fed's trying to help more. So my question would be, though, are we, are we the next Japan? Are we going to, to slow down in response to that? Or is this just a temporary uh, thing we just got to sort of wash through psychologically and back to normal? I think it's more the latter.
2: Charlie? Uh, We've had the market come down about 70% since it peaked in April. Uh, So the big question is, is this just a correction-type buying opportunity, or is this just the early innings of what will turn out to be a longer and deeper bear market, where, you know, right now a lot of people are looking to buy the dips, and we haven't hit a point where people are panicked and revolted by stocks. And does this market progress in that direction? I I would kind of hope not, um, but you never know what's going to happen.
0: And James, how about one piece of advice for investors as they watch all of this vol- volatility?
2: Well, sell your shares
1: so I can buy them on the cheap. I'm um, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't don't sell your shares. I mean, many many studies have shown is it's a terrible thing to do right after sudden drops. Uh, when, when you're most tempted to, you should should at least do it. And the market may blow your socks off. Who knows?
0: But if I have a lot of anxiety and I'm having a hard time sleeping at night, as Take I look at kind of my medicine
1: yeah, medication.
0: I think the
3: caveat though is if if you have money in the market, for example, and you I don't know, need to pay a college tuition bill in two months, for example, you know, don't don't take the risk associated with timing the market over the next two months. Make sure you can Absolutely. pay make sure you can pay that bill. So make sure the money that you have in the market that you're not selling is not money you need imminently. I think that's the second piece of that that otherwise very good advice.
0: Charlie, any thoughts for people?
2: Yeah, I, I think the number one rule is uh, you have to own what lets you sleep at night. And if you are truly nervous and upset, your position sizes are too big, and the amount of money you have in equities is too high, and you should think uh, very rationally and cautiously and probably recalibrate that down to a level you're comfortable with. And maybe
1: consider a newsletter subscription. That might help.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, well, that's a good segue for our shameless plug here, because <laughs> we do have a Motley Fool free report at One Sure Thing. Um, I blew it already. Sorry. Surething.fool.com. The sure thing is market volatility. So I know that sounds a bit cheesy. But um, in this free report, Jeff Fisher of Motley Fool Pro um, shows you step-by-step step how to protect and grow your wealth, whether the market goes up or down. So that's surething.fool.com. Um, we've got Tim Hanson from Motley Fool Global Gains, Charlie Travers from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, and James Early from Motley Fool Income Investor. Guys, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you, man. Sure thing, Matt.
0: As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and we will see you next time.